Ever wonder what history's most famous and infamous people would say if you asked them for their side of the story? Well, here's your chance. You're listening to Hindsight, an original podcast by Al Jazeera. I'm Charles Dance. This is a dramatized series based on historical events that resurrect some of the world's most memorable figures. In this episode, we meet Sani Abacha, often referred to as the worst and most corrupt ruler in modern Nigerian history. He siphoned off billions of dollars from Nigeria. In 1995, Time magazine named Abacha Thug of the Year after the execution of Ken Sarawiwa. Abacha established a reputation as someone who was good at planning coups, a kingmaker of sorts, but none was more successful and subsequently destructive as his own takeover for power. In hindsight, how did no one see it coming? Hindsight, you've heard of them, but now it's time you hear from them. An international outcry after the Nigerian government refuses to grant clemency to nine environmentalists. Pay no attention to the news. The Agoni Nine, including well-known activist Ken Sarawiwa, were part of a group fighting against oil production in the Niger Delta, which they say has devastated the region. They don't know how it works in Nigeria, how we have to preserve security. Those men killed four of their chiefs. They're murderers. It's November 1995, and splashed across global headlines is the impassive face of General Sani Abacha, his eyes hidden behind his trademark sunglasses. A man accustomed to operating from the shadows, the media's scrutiny will bother him. His regime has got a lot to hide. The news goes on about oil exploitation, but be serious. Oil brings tens of millions of dollars into Nigeria each day. I'm not going to jeopardize my people's welfare. Nor his own. Western governments are threatening sanctions on Nigeria if its military ruler, General Sani Abacha, doesn't we come to... We need to show the world that we are not weaklings. We need to end this unrest once and for all. The activists were hanged. Allegedly for murder. Abacha was not a man of many words, but he was a ruler of many injustices. There was no clemency for Ken Sarawiwa and the eight activists. There was no mercy for anyone who stood in Abacha's way under his absolute rule. But less than three years after the hanging of the Agoni Nine, General Sani Abacha will also be dead. Few will weep, Many will question the circumstances of his death. When you are gone, all that is left of you is what others say about you. It's important that people know the truth. Hand me my sunglasses. <clears throat> my name is Sani Abaja, but you can call me General Sani Abaja. I was born in Kano State on September 20, 1943. Kano is home to many Nigerian leaders. I was an exceptional child. My teachers always told me I was the strongest, the fastest, the smartest. My father, 
Al-Hajj Abacha was a businessman, but he worked like a soldier for his family. He never stopped, kept pushing. He was an expert negotiator in foreign trade deals and made Nigeria a lot of money in the 1950s. I am grateful to my father for always ensuring we had food on our table. But I didn't get to see him often on account of him working so much. It was my mother who looked after me and my brother. I know you miss Baba Sunny, but you know that sad feeling inside you now. It's a fire, a drive. You will change the world with it one day, son. It took me a while to figure out what my mother meant. But then, in 1960, I felt that fire again. The year I turned 17 was the year Nigeria finally came into her own. We gained independence from Britain that year. Nigeria was finally liberated, free to become one of the greatest nations in the world. And I wanted to be a part of that. After graduating from high school, I joined the Nigerian Military Training College. Private Sunny Abacha reporting, sir. The military felt natural to me, like I was aligning with my true purpose. I knew then if I was going to become powerful, I would do it with a gun in hand, not a degree. I became a second lieutenant in just one year. Soon, I was the talk of the military. Abacha himself wasn't much of a talker. His strength lay in taking action. He sharpened his skills as a soldier, learning when to withdraw and when to attack. His instincts were sharp. Abacha knew he wouldn't serve the military so much as it would serve him. Yes, his commanding officers were impressed, but they also questioned whether Abacha was merely exploiting military tactics for his own welfare. Was there something ominous in what they saw? For now, though, Abacha is a young man. It's the early 60s, and love was in the air. Hello, I'm Second Lieutenant Sani Abacha, and you are... I met Mariam Jidda when I was in my early 20s. We became friends rather quickly. She was a good woman and a devout Muslim. Our friendship grew into love. We married in 1965, two years after we met. Bismillah. Welcome to your new home, Mrs. Mariam Abacha. Has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Mariam's grandmother was a Bono princess, but she was a humble woman. We lived a simple life. I used to call her M, and she nicknamed me. Yes. We wanted a big family. We were blessed with ten children. First, there was Ibrahim, my pride and joy. Ah, this one's already a man of the house. Look how big he is. After Ibrahim came Mohammed, then Abba, then Mahmoud and Sadiq. I asked for a boy and you gave me a whole army, Mariam. God bless you. Then came my three beautiful daughters, Zainab, Fatima, Rakia, and eventually Abdullahi and Mustafa. Finish your food, everyone, so you can be big and strong like Baba. 
We slept together, ate together, Maria made the food, I washed the dishes. It was like that every night. As a family, we were strong. That strengthened me as our country became complicated. Nigeria's complicated history stretches back to when European states first carved up Africa for their own interests. There was little regard for ethnic groups and cultures when the lines were drawn. Nigeria was already divided by the time the British assumed control. And so, there is the mostly Muslim North and the Christian South. The Yorubas of the Southwest are split between Muslims and Christians. The Igbos of the Southeast are mostly Christian. In time, Abacha will exploit it all. Chaos in Nigeria after government buildings across the country came under attack. It's January 1966. Nigeria's tumultuous period of coups begins. We're getting reports that the Prime Minister and the Finance Minister have been assassinated. Lieutenant Colonel Chakuma Kaduna Nziogu is declaring martial law. Chukuma Kaduna Nziogu, we called him Kaduna, was a military intelligence officer. His revolution killed 22 people. It was the end of the first Nigerian Republic. In the chaos, Major General Johnson, Aguia Ironsi, assumed control, becoming Nigeria's first military head of state. Johnny Ironside didn't last long either. He was assassinated six months later. He was killed during the July 1966 counter-coup. Abacha might be trying to distance himself here from what happened, but as a second lieutenant, he would have known exactly what was going on. Lieutenant Colonel Yakubu Gowon from the northern city of Kanke became the new head of state. He didn't like the Igbos much. After Gowon came to power, as many as 30,000 Igbos were killed throughout the country. More than one million were displaced. Tensions between the ethnic Igbo and the Hausa in the north intensified, setting the stage for one of the bloodiest periods in 20th century Nigeria. Nineteen sixty-seven, Nigeria's civil war begins. Ojuku declares the independence of the Republic of Biafra. The Republic of Biafra. Is that a joke? Biafra's declaration of independence was a declaration of war. They were puffing up their chests, using the oil reserves in their part of the country as a bargaining tool to get what they wanted. We had to destroy them by any means necessary. They needed to be put in their place. Captain Sani Abacha, reporting. My division was deployed to Port Harcourt, right in the heart of the Igbo territory. Men, remember, these are rogue fighters who want to destabilize our nation. All my training had led me to this moment, the head of my own platoon. But when I heard the siren blare, everything moved in slow motion. Go, go, go! 
until something broke the spell of war and I charged into battle. I never looked back. And then, in October 1967, four months into the Civil War, came the Asaba Massacre. Soldiers entered the town in the southeast, ransacked homes looking for and killing Biafran sympathizers. In an effort to stop the violence, the town leaders called on people to wear white, a symbol of surrender, and meet the soldiers in the town square. Singing, they offered them gifts. The soldiers responded by separating men and teenage boys from women and children. They killed hundreds on the spot. I wasn't there. I had nothing to do with that. But the Civil War turned out to be good for Abacha. He rose through the ranks to become major. The Biafrans fought us off that first year. No one expected that. But we managed to take back the city of Benin and a lot of our territory. We sent Biafrans back south where they came from. Keep moving. Fill up the trucks. You're going home. By land, sea, and air, we secured posts on the shores of the Niger Delta. And they kept their eye on the oil fields. Finally, we captured Port Harcourt in 68 and had the Biafrans surrounded. But then the year ended in a stalemate. So we had to try a new tactic. Yes, the ancient military tactic of starvation. Bide your time. They'll eventually get hungry and come crawling out. Let them know that if they surrender, the killing will stop. Perhaps. Relief flights are entering Biafra at a regular pace now. Planes carrying food, medicine, and in some cases, weapons. In January 1970, just under three years after the start of Nigeria's civil war, it was over. It's estimated more than one million people were killed. Most of them starved to death. We, the Nigerian army, saved the country from insurrection. Now it was time to save it from poverty. The answer was the oil. Our gift from God. Nigeria sits atop a series of oil fields, and in 1970, the global oil industry and oil prices were taking off. Countries like Nigeria, where people still lived hand to mouth, were about to get very, very rich. Or at least, certain people were about to get very, very rich. General Gowon nationalized the industry, ensuring no one tribe in Nigeria could control it and took it out of the hands of foreigners. It was in the military's hands now. It was safe. We had our own way of doing things, of course. Yes, this is Major Abacha of the 2nd Division. Yes, sir. I can escort the delivery to the governor, sir. How much so I know for security? Ah, a good fortune. Using oil money to keep the state governors happy. It seemed like a good way to keep the peace. 
Besides, Gowon was too soft to keep the governors in line on his own. I took note. I always wondered, how much did he keep for himself? But it wasn't my business. Gowon denies he stole from Nigeria's central bank, but Sani Abacha? Well, he left behind his own money trail. But first... My business was with my men. Discipline, order, chain of command. The army wasn't in the best shape after the war. There was a lot of insubordination, but not with my men. I was tough. I kept them in line. It was the same at home, too. I kept my own growing battalion in line as well. I remember being hopeful for Nigeria then. There were more cars, more roads, more buildings, and more equipment for the army, too. Progress. Progress towards Nigeria's reputation for corruption, perhaps. Nigeria's rising oil fortunes coincided precisely with a descent into government graft that it's still stuck in today. It's thought that Goan didn't profit directly, but lost control of the situation. There's no better example of this than the cement scandal. There are now more than 100 cement ships docked at the ports, and it seems certain this crisis will last for months more. The Nigerian government ordered so much cement, far more than what was required for all the infrastructure building, that the shipments couldn't get in, nor much else. The disaster dragged on for more than a year. This is ridiculous, Sunny. You know, I haven't been able to buy diapers all week. Go on, won't be able to hang on long. Not at this rate. Cue coup number three. On July the 29th, 1975, Goan was overthrown by his own men. Another general replaced him. Then a year later, his second command took over. I know, it's hard to keep up, but the point is, the military stayed in power throughout. Until finally, the junta followed through on the long-made but never-kept promise for a transition to democracy. In 1979, Nigerians got to vote for their own president. I was unimpressed by this democratic experiment. I will only say two things about this new president, Shehu Shagari. He was a Muslim from the north? Good. He built up the Air Force? Also good. But it wouldn't last. The military was the best for Nigeria. And I was rising those ranks. I'm so grateful to be around my beautiful family as I share this news. As of today, you may call your Baba Brigadier General Abacha. Sure, I stayed out of politics for the most part in the 1970s. But now, the 80s would be my time. I was a general now. My men respected me, feared me. I knew everyone in that army, and they knew me. And we all agreed the military had to take back power. Nigerians welcome military intervention once the riots start. 
They are not ready for democracy. Fellow countrymen and women, I, Brigadier General Sani Abacha of the Nigerian Army, address you this morning on behalf of the Nigerian Armed Forces. This is Abacha's first direct involvement in a short series of coups that will lead him to power. General Muhammadu Buhari took the top spot once we pushed Chigari out. He wasn't the leader of the coup, you understand? It was just because of his position. I didn't think he was really cut out for the job. I don't know about Buhari, M. He's losing it. He learned to, what did he call it? A war against indiscipline. He went as far as to censor the media. It's going to cause trouble. Abacho would do much, much worse than just censor the media. Yeah, but that's a ways off just yet. Buari was there at the right time and the right place. But like I said, he wasn't cut out for the job. So I sided with Ibrahim Babangira, the chief of army staff. In 1985, we did a coup against Buari and put Babangira in power. He wanted to come across as a savior to undo Buari's evil ways. He had a look at human rights abuses and lifted media censorship. He also freed some journalists. He earned a reputation as an open-minded leader. But I was about to earn a reputation for saving the country from yet another coup and yet another dangerous flirtation with democracy. The next coup attempt came in 1990. This one from an army major who wanted to upend the balance of power in the north and impose federalism and democracy. All ideas Abacho was absolutely opposed to. Their troops raided our garrisons in Lagos. He even tried to go after me directly. That was a mistake. I survived, of course. We rounded up the major and close to 400 conspirators that day in April. 40 of them were convicted of treason and sentenced to death. In July, we lined them up. Shoot the major in the leg. Make him suffer. It was the making of me. Babangida promoted me to a four-star general after that. Three years later, he promoted me to Secretary of Defense. I was now the most powerful man in the military. He often called me the expert when it came to coups. Those words would come to haunt him, especially as he appeared intent on handing power over to a civilian government. Didn't he understand that Nigerians needed a strong hand? Abiola. In 1993, the military annulled the election when preliminary results showed that Chief Mashhud Abiola was in the lead. Nationwide protests followed, building up to Abacha's moment. The mounting pressure from inside and outside the military forced Babangida to step aside. Attempts were made to implement civilian rule, but they didn't last. Sani Abacha launched his final coup on November the 17th, 1993. I, Sani Abacha, 
humbly accept the role of Commander-in-Chief and President of our nation, and I hereby order the following decisions to come into immediate effect. And so begins one of the worst leaderships in Nigerian history. Abacha will pilfer billions from the country's oil wealth and wield the military like his own private weapon against dissent. Abacha was no politician. He was a general. He wanted security, order, discipline. When people have too many options, they have trouble deciding what to do. To eliminate uncertainty, one must eliminate options. All local governments are hereby dissolved. The brigade commanders have fully taken over government. All political meetings are hereby banned. The two political parties are hereby dissolved. I had to do something about Abiola too. He was complaining that he was the rightful president. So I had him arrested. I left no room for any uncertainties, including the financial future of my family, especially since it was growing. As a man in my 50s, I already felt twice my age, not at all like a new father, but God works in mysterious ways. Mashallah, Mariam. 47 years old, and you still have so much life in you to give. Mustafa, a miracle. Although Mariam was already a grandmother by then, she gave birth. I was now the father of 10 children. Who knows how many grandchildren and great-grandchildren I will have. But I knew I had to provide for them. And here begins in earnest Abacha's corrupt maneuverings to siphon billions of dollars from Nigeria. Yes, Mr. Shaguri, I've heard a lot about you. But tell me, how can you help me? With help from a billionaire Lebanese-Nigerian businessman, Abacha devised a scheme that included exporting oil products at inflated prices, demanding foreign companies pay a premium to operate in Nigeria, and committing out-and-out -out bank robbery. Write urgently in the memo. Let me see. Yes. The armed forces urgently request funding for security operations and equipment to fight critics overseas. Keep it vague. That's Abacha telling his national security advisor to sign off on bank transfers for national security purposes. Eventually, to speed things up, he skipped all the red tape. Just go down there and say the military needs more money for covert operations. If there are any speculators, tell them they can take their complaints to me. In 1993 alone, an estimated $1.2 billion disappeared from central banks and reappeared in the pockets of Abacha, his family and close associates, including Chiguri, his billionaire friend. This represents less than half the money estimated to have been stolen by Abacha and his associates during his rule. There weren't a lot of people really standing in his way. Not for long, anyway. The main opposition group against Abacha was the National Democratic Coalition. Nadako wanted Abacha's military government to step down in favor of Abiola, 
the presumed winner of the 1993 election. Nadiko got in my way. Major Hamza Al-Mustafa, report. The annihilation of Nadeko is your highest priority, Major. Major Hamza Al-Mustafa was chief of security. He was both respected and feared by his own superiors. Abacha used the military to crack down on dissent in every corner. Opposition parties, activists, student demonstrations. And then there was the oil. No part of Nigeria was more important to control, especially now that Abacha was pocketing so much of the profit for himself. Abacha and his associates tapped the country's oil fields at practically every stage of the oil business, depriving the rest of the nation of their main source of revenue. This had dire consequences for Nigerians. By 1994, the price of fuel had skyrocketed. Fuel stations across Nigeria grew more packed with crowds and queues of people waiting to get gas. Hey, can you believe these prices? It's criminal. Sanya Abacha only cares about Sanya Abacha. I have no friends. It is a sign of weakness to have friends. I'm a man of few words and deadly actions. Anyone I found out as a member of any petroleum unions was summarily dealt with. They are disrupting public order and inciting violence against the government. They must answer for their crimes. Round up all the troublemakers. We're not even allowed our basic rights. Abacha is not the answer. He called the military again. The aggressive military responses eventually caught fire in the media, which in turn fueled Abacha's war against the press. The Guardian Nigeria was on his list. Get me everything there is to know about the publisher. Track his movements. Many journalists who wrote articles opposing Abacha's rule were targeted, either killed or jailed. Many were forced into exile. Journalistic integrity. When you put it like that, it sounds noble. But they are just as bad as the activists trying to ruin our country. We are going to demand our rights peacefully, non-violently, and we shall win. Who will deliver us from trouble? Saro Wiwa and the movement will deliver us. Saro Wiwa, Saro Wiwa. Ken Saro Wiwa was a playwright, comedian, and activist who founded the movement for the survival of the Ogoni people to aid in the struggle against the environmental devastation of the Niger Delta. The Ogonis are an ethnic minority in southern Nigeria. In 1994, when Sarawiwa mobilized one-third of the Ogonisin to protest, Abacha paid attention. Sarawiwa was a mere irritation at first, but he infected the minds of too many people. Getting rid of him, it was just another coup in my mind. It was just a matter of time. I knew there was infighting among the Ogonis, that the elder chiefs were against Sarawiwa, and that enraged some of his followers. We just 
had to wait for the right moment. On the 21st of May, 1994, during a meeting between four elder Ogoni chiefs, a mob of young Sarawiwa supporters ambushed the meeting and murdered the chiefs. The headlines caused outrage. It was the perfect opportunity to frame Sarawiwa. Four Ogoni chiefs came this morning in... When four Ogoni chiefs were attacked, brutally murdering the movement chiefs. Are you seeing this? <laughs> hey, Sarawiwa, your days are over. Ken Sarawiwa was arrested and accused of arranging the killings of the four chiefs. He was found guilty a year later by a panel of judges believed to have been hand-picked by Abacha himself. Guilty as charged. Despite a global outcry, Sarawiwa and eight other leading members of the movement, known as the Ogoni Nine, were found guilty of murder and sentenced to death. Several prosecution witnesses later admitted that Abacha had bribed them to give false testimonies. Lord, take my soul, but the struggle continues. General Abacha ordered the Ogoni Nine executed by hanging on the 10th of November, 1995. Time magazine crowned Abacha Thug of the Year. Sunny, are you here? Yeah, in the office, Mariam. We all lived and worked together in the Aso Rock Villa, the official presidential residence. It sits on top of these massive white borders just outside the capital, Abuja. It's like a natural fortress. It is a fortress. I just got off the phone with Shaguri. We need to talk. I never said much as president. Wasn't one for speeches and kissing babies. I was a soldier, not a politician. But Mariam, she was warm. She smiled. A wonderful first lady. She cared very much for the poor. She built the National Hospital of Abuja to provide affordable health care in Nigeria. She established a family support program and a ministry for women's affairs. Mariam became known as the crusading first lady. For her supposed activism and charity, she was well-loved. She was also, in simple terms, a thief. All the money raised by the hospital and FSP will be wired to your Swiss account. But that's hundreds of millions, Sunny. That's going to tip someone off. We'll stuff a million suitcases if we have to. I trust you. What's the plan? The family might not have been as united as a bachelor would have you think. Rumors of his extramarital affairs swirled around the capital, as did rumors of Mariam's jealousy. She reportedly tried to enlist the head of security to make a couple of Abacha's favorite girlfriends disappear. But then, in 1996, tragedy struck the family, and grief replaced jealousy. When's Ibrahim flying back? I'm not sure. The party in Kano is supposed to go quite late. I'll get it. Hello? Yes, what is it? What? 
I heard the words. There has been a plane crash. Ibrahim is dead. Then my vision went blurry. I refused to believe it. I couldn't believe it. My firstborn. But then I saw his plane in pieces. Ibrahim. I hope it was painless. I lost a piece of my heart that day. Mariam. She fell apart. She wanted to go to the Holy Land, to Mecca, to pray for him. She spent months in Saudi Arabia. I stayed in Abuja, of course. I barely ventured out of Asurok now. The crash wanted me. Ibrahim, his friends, the crew, everyone on board the presidential plane that day died in the crash. There was no official investigation, and the bereaved families were not allowed to retrieve the bodies of their loved ones. And in the process, Abacha denied them their right to follow Muslim funerary rites and customs. It's not known why, but Abacha suppressed all information about what happened. Rumors filled the information vacuum. One story making the rounds was that Abacha had ordered an attack on the plane because he thought Ibrahim was not his biological son. In the end, a previously unknown armed group, the United Front for Nigeria's Liberation, claimed responsibility for the crash. Soon, Abacha's grief turned to paranoia. Keep an eye out. If a leaf falls, shoot at the trees. If it rains, shoot at the sky. It's just me. Nothing and no one goes in or out. I wondered whether someone was using my son to get to me. Is anyone there? Now I'm hearing things. Abacha's inner toil never broke the surface. His face remained unreadable to most, hidden behind those dark sunglasses. I had a country to run. I kept to myself a lot. I worked mainly at night and relied on just a few men I could really trust. We had this huge fortune to deal with, this oil. We cut oil production. It really got the oil companies we did business with angry. But I say it was a smart move. I reduced Nigerian debt by billions of dollars. Inflation dropped. That was all me. Abacha's attempt at saving the economy actually ended up failing miserably. Instead of declining, debt rose, and foreign relations became tense. Oil revenues were rising, but none of it was going back into the oil industry, and certainly not into the pocket of your average Nigerian. You can blame me all you want, but I blame the sanctions. The so-called international community. This is what was hurting the people but soon the world will see the greatness of Nigeria. I have reserved our thanks for His Excellency, General Sani Abacha, to the end of my speech. It is to his commitment and remarkable determination that we owe our survival. The crowd seems very happy. We are glad to help Sierra Leone. This was a rare trip for me. 
I didn't get involved too much in international politics, but in 1996, there was a military coup against Sierra Leone's democratically elected president. I stood by him. I used my troops to reinstate him. I was a hero, not only in Nigeria, but in Sierra Leone too. The celebrations at the stadium were grand. The crowd was overjoyed and overexcited. They nearly trampled me. Fresh off the heels of his victory in Sierra Leone, Abacha capitalized on the buzz and announced a transition to democracy. But of course, Abacha's democracy was a facade and his popularity was short-lived. Abacha established his own five political parties, which in turn all nominated Abacha as their joint candidate. It seemed as though another four years of Abacha's violent, militaristic kleptocracy were unavoidable. But on June 8th, 1998, mere months before Abacha's elections were set to be held, something totally unexpected happened. Abacha's personal doctor was woken abruptly by a phone call at six in the morning. Doctor, you're needed at the villa, urgently. Has the president's flight been moved up? The doctor usually entered through the back door of Asso Rock, but this time he was taken directly through the president's entrance. One, two, three, clap! There, lying lifeless on a couch, was Sani Abacha. What happened? He was foaming from his mouth. We tried CPR. We tried the defibrillator, but... General Sani Abacha was declared dead. He was only 54 years old. His family buried him promptly, as per Muslim tradition. There was no autopsy. Speculation swirled. Abacha's doctors were aware of a minor heart condition and reported a heart attack as the most likely cause of death. Others suspected foul play. Sane Abacha's death brought celebrations to the streets of Nigeria. People tore his posters off the walls and shred them to bits. The shreds were carried off by the wind. Welcome to Lagos International Airport. Passport, please. And how many bags will you be traveling with today, Mrs. Abacha? 38 suitcases, all fragile. Be careful with them. Excuse me, can you hurry up, please? I need to catch my flight. Miriam Abacha, stop. You are under arrest. A few months after her husband's death, Mariam Abacha was arrested while trying to leave Nigeria with 38 suitcases stuffed with millions of dollars. My husband never stole anything. He was a very kind, gentle, and honest man. Sani Abacha's successor, General Abdel Salame Abubakr, was quickly pressured into transitioning to civilian rule. And in 1999, Nigeria announced its fourth republic. In the years after Abacha's death, investigators uncovered a web of bank accounts belonging to the Abachas and their friends all around the world. Switzerland, the UK, France. As a result, 
more than $2 billion has been returned to Nigeria. People there call it the Abacha loot. Hindsight is narrated by me, Charles Dance. This series was produced by Sout Podcasts. Their team is producer Rana Darwood, associate producer Basan Samhu. Sound design by Taisir Kabani. Assembly sound editing by Yazan Kawas. This episode is written by Sam Amare and Morgan Waters. Research and interview by Victoria Silva Sanchez. Fact-checking and editing by Joanne Bustani. Special thanks to A. Egoni Barret and Egosa Emasuin for speaking to us about the character. Sonny Abacha is played by Jason and Woga. Extra voices played by Stephen Brunton. Voice coaching by Zian Ganmar. Recording by Audio Process and DVC Soho Studios. Additional research and fact-checking by Al Jazeera and Amar Bortang. Script editing by Danilo Haveleshka. Joe DeFrias is the executive producer of Special Projects. Juan Carlos Van Meek is Al Jazeera's director of digital innovation and programming. Hindsight is a historical drama podcast. All dramatized scenes and dialogue are inspired by historical events, old interviews, and in some cases, new conversations with people close to the subject. <laughs>